Welcome to Career Beats, 20-minute talks to navigate the new career development paradigm. Hosted by Carmen González, coach and career advisor at ESADE Careers. Hi, listeners. I'm Carmen González, Associate Director of ESADE Careers, coach, and passionate about unlocking talent. I'm so pleased to be here with you today. I'm sure that now and then you catch yourself thinking about your levels of happiness in life. Questions like, is my life fulfilling enough? Could I have, could I have made different choices and had a happier life? Our daily choices definitely impact our levels of happiness. But are we in control of what happens to us in life at all? If these questions resonate, you are in the right place. Today, I have the absolute pleasure to talk to Jordi Kuotbach, an authority on the relationship between decision-making and happiness. Jordi is an associate professor of people management and organizations at a Sade Business School in Barcelona and was a postdoctoral fellow at Harvard University for several years before joining Sade. His research focuses on the bidirectional relationship between choice and happiness how people's current happiness shapes their decisions and the other way around, how people's everyday decisions profoundly shape their happiness. His work aims at helping individuals make better personal and professional decisions that will improve their happiness in the long run. His research has been published in top tier journals such as Science, Psychological Science or Nature Communications. His work has also been featured on CNN, BBC, and NPR, and have appeared in publications such as Scientific American, The Wall Street Journal, and The New York Times. He was identified among the best 40 business professors under 40 in Poets and Quants. And in addition to his research activities, he has published popular science books on emotions and well-being, and hosted a TV series about the science of happiness on the French television channel M6. Wow, Jordi, you spend your days researching such an interesting and fulfilling topic. I'm so lucky to be talking to the person that has the magic recipe for happiness in life. I'm so looking forward to our conversation. Jordi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for the nice introduction. It's a delight to be here. We are very happy and... So let's start from the beginning. What's happiness and how can I become happier? Well, that's a big question that philosophers have been trying to solve for thousands of years. But now there is a consensus in the scientific community that by happiness, people mean two different kinds of things. There's the hedonic happiness. That would be the feeling that, you know, your life is on the right track. You're satisfied with where your life is going. And on a daily basis, you're experiencing lots of positive emotions and not so many unpleasant negative emotions. And then you have the eudaimonic happiness that is more about meaning in life and the sense that you experience purpose on a daily basis. And so if I had to summarize what happiness is, I would say, you know, it's both this emotional component, feeling good about your life, and this more philosophical component. Uh, do you experience meaning and purpose? You know, how can I become happier? What do you think is uh, like the shortcut 
to become happier, if there is any. Unfortunately, I don't have any shortcuts to give you. Uh, yeah. It does require a little bit of work. Uh, so if you look at the factors that tends to predict who's happy and who's less happy, what's really interesting in, in the research is that life circumstances, how much money you're making, uh, where you were born, how many sunny days do you experience, how big is your apartment or your car, is surprisingly not that related to our happiness. It turns out that all of these factors, sure they matter, but a tiny bit and way less than what we think. What seems to matter, however, is how we spend our time. And how can we spend our time to be happier? So there was a study that was done uh, a few years ago, the longest running study on happiness tracking people's grandparents, parents, and children, you know, generations. And one of the conclusion of that study is that the number one factor in terms of predicting happiness is the quantity and quality of social relationships. So if I had to give you the secret of happiness, I would say it lies in other people, right? Foster relationships on a daily basis. That's one. Another important factor is the time that we spend at work. On average, we spend eight hours uh, a day working. And of course, you know, whether at work we experience meaning, whether we experience a sense of growth, whether we're interacting with fun colleagues, uh, all of these things will matter, of course. So that's excellent news, actually, because it gives us some sort of control on our happiness, right? Happiness is a choice. And knowing that um, social interactions and, you know, the quality of time at work in the terms of the relationships that you develop at work really matter, um, help us a lot to put the focus on that. So I think it's, uh, it's great news. And I would link what you said about us spending so much time at work uh, on, on a daily basis, make work a very important environment for potential happiness. Uh, so that leads to my next question. How can we choose a job that makes us happy? Right, so I already alluded to the fact that a job that pays very well is probably not the secret to happiness. It doesn't hurt, uh, but past a certain threshold, and it really depends on where you live and the cost of living and so forth. But for example, in my own data, we observed that people that make over 3,000, 3,500 net a month uh, don't experience more happiness from larger salaries, right? So of course, first, let me clarify, if you're struggling on a daily basis, income and material aspects matter. But as soon as you're relatively comfortable, then you have to look for other factors. And I will give you four factors that I think are way more important than uh, income in determining our happiness. The first is meaning, right? Are you engaged in a job that feels purposeful to you? Are you contributing to the well-being of others? Uh, maybe are you connecting to broader important values? Are you helping uh, with the environment? 
Is your, is your job meaningful in any way? That's a big factor. The second factor is the opportunity to grow and learn, right? When we observe the happiest workers, when we ask people, was this a happy day at work? One of the big factor is whether people experience a sense of growth. Did they learn something new? Did they overcome a challenge that they were stuck on? This feeling of getting better at what you do is extremely important. So are you going to be in a job where you're basically bored and doing always the same thing? Yeah. Or are you going to be in a job where you're overly stressed because the demand of the job does not mean your current level of resources? All of these are not conducting to happiness. What you need is a job that is well calibrated where the level of challenge is matching your current level of resources so that you can slowly get better and get better without either being bored or being overwhelmed. Yeah. The third factor is the amount of autonomy that people can enjoy in their job, right? Nobody likes to be told what to do. And if you observe happy workers, they tend to have very clear objectives, right? They know what is expected of them, but they have freedom in how to reach these objectives. If you're going to be in a job where they micromanage every single aspect of your daily routine, uh, this you're going to be miserable. And so try to look for a job where you have some freedom in how to do things. And, you know, the, the big companies, the famous example being Google, for example, have understood the importance of autonomy. That's why Google famously, you have half a day a week where you can work on anything you want, right? Because they yeah. know that at the end of the day, that what motivates people to like come up with great new ideas that can later be exploited by the company. Yeah. The last factor is, you know, friendship and fun. If you observe the most satisfied employees, the most satisfied workers, most of them will tell you that they have good friends at work. You know, mm -hmm. we're social, we're a social species. And if we're happy to see our colleagues for coffee, for lunch, that motivates us to get up and go to work. So these are really four factors that you should look for in a job. And if you think about social relationship, right, and fun, the number one predictor that people quit their job is also social. It's they yeah. don't like their boss. So who are you going to work with and for is an important decision factor. Wow, <clears throat> that's very, you know, very uh, interesting. And I'm sure it's going to be very useful for the audience uh, whenever they are uh, thinking about changing jobs or looking for their first job these four factors, you know, is something that you need to think about when you're developing your professional journey. So meaning and purpose, you know, making sure that the work you do has an impact um, uh, on a bigger scale, uh, sense of growth. And that's also linked with one of the most important comp competencies that is uh, looked for in the workplace right now, which is curiosity. You know, there's a uh, um, ability to wear the exploring hat all the time. So this is very important uh, and very linked to this sense of growth. Amount of autonomy, being able to, um, you know, have this uh, freedom, you know, this uh, percentage of freedom to develop your, uh, you know, to your own decisions. 
and the connections, the the friendships that you make at work. It's very important to work with people that are alike and that you feel comfortable with. So I think that's, uh, you know, everything that you said is very powerful and very important. And I'd like to move now to another important aspect uh, related to happiness, which is the way we manage our emotions. You know, we the way we manage our emotions plays a key role in our levels of happiness. Uh, so what's your top advice to manage them in a way that help us to be happier? So you're raising a really an important point, right? Which is, of course, there are external factors. How meaningful is your job? If you're working to save the environment uh, versus in a factory, objectively, one job might be more meaningful than the other. But there is also a subjective component that is important. It's not just what work you're doing. It's also how you perceive that work, how you, you know, subjectively find meaning in, even in a factory, right? That, that you can find meaning in a job that is not maybe the most prestigious one. And so these psychological elements are very important. And in particular, one important psychological aspect of our happiness is how we manage our emotions on a daily basis. For example, you know, job is stressful. You're going to have deadlines. You're going to have conflict with your, your colleagues. And the way we react to this event is often more important than the frequency of these events altogether. There's interesting research on stress, for example, and health. Yeah. Maybe you're not surprised to hear that the more stress people experience, the more likely they are to develop some sort of disease. And there's actually a relationship between longevity and the experience of stress. Yeah. But what I find fascinating in these studies is that it's only the case for people that think that stress is bad for them. People believe that stress is actually a useful emotion. People don't run away from stress, but, you know, accept it as part of the human condition. Do not show this negative relationship between stress and health. So I think very often the problem with our negative emotions is not so much that we have them. That's part of life, that your brain is designed to anticipate problems and think about problems. But it's a reaction to these uh, negative emotions. A lot of people don't want to feel bad. And so they start avoiding problems, they avoid tough conversations, they avoid asking for a raise because they don't want to experience the discomfort. Uh, a lot of people don't want to feel anxious, and so they would maybe over drink or run away from their problems. And this is what leads to negative outcomes. So I would say the first advice I would give is to learn that negative feelings are part of life, and it's actually useful information for you so next time you you feel angry or you know anxious about something or jealous whatever tell yourself okay i noticed that i'm experiencing anger stress jealousy what is this feeling telling me about what's important for me and then make a plan if you realize that your anger is really telling you you don't feel respected at work. What could you do in a constructive manner that will increase the level of respect you enjoy every day? Right? This is a much 
more effective way to deal with your emotions than, you know, running away from your emotions or getting caught up in your emotions and, you know, bursting in anger at your colleagues. That's one first thing. Now let's talk about the positive. Happiness is also experiencing pleasant emotion on a daily basis. And I think for that, we need to savor a little bit more. The human brain is designed to take for granted whatever, you know, is in front of us. Yeah. So I would recommend to take a break and try to to consciously savor pleasant experiences. That could be, for example, um, exploring things with different senses, right? If you typically like your coffee at 11 and you get your coffee every day, well, this time or once in a while, try to first smell the coffee, sense its warmth, uh, maybe look at it visually and spend a few seconds trying to be mindful and explore the sensation with all your senses. We know that boost is the, the pleasure that people experience from uh, everyday sort of pleasant things. I would also recommend to schedule positive things in your day. It's very easy to get caught up in, in our daily routine and the demands of our days. So put mindfully in your calendar moments. It could be five minutes. It could be 10 minutes to have a conversation with someone, to, you know, take a deep breath or to, 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 to walk for five minutes outside and enjoy the sun. Schedule positive activities throughout the day, even small ones. And the last maybe piece of advice that I can give regarding positive emotions is that often one of the problem of any access to all kinds of good things in life is that we fail to really notice them. And so paradoxically, a way to sort of reset our pleasure level is to refrain from consuming or from engaging our favorite things for a little while. Let me give you an example. Um, if you love to go to the restaurant, maybe if you go once a week or twice a week, you know, this is still pleasant, but not as, as great as if you go once a month. And so you can really decide to, to take breaks from your favorite activity for a week, a month, uh, so that the next time you go, you really truly enjoy it. And I would recommend that for all these daily pleasures that we might overconsume, it might be a good idea to take breaks and to make it a ritual instead, right? So you love your latte. Well, make it a Tuesday latte. It's a Tuesday thing. So every Tuesday you'll be happier because it's coming and you make it a ritual. You're really, you know, take your time. Maybe you go to that bench outside. You, you, you make it a ritual so that you force your brain to really savor the moment. These are a few advice I can give. I think they are very powerful advices. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, as you said, part of a happy life is also experiencing unhappiness. So your first advice is to um, accept your emotions, right? And take actions, understand what's happening inside of you and then take action. Be present, you know, these mindful uh, moments and to really flavor things that you like, to take a moment to pause, which is something that sometimes we don't do very often, to really pause and flavor the little things in life, which the little things in life are the ones that make 
the big difference and we need to remember that. And I like your advice about postponing the reward, right? To have that in mind, something that you're looking forward to. Um, so I think, you know, all, all your all your advice uh, is very powerful and very practical and, and the rituals, which are very important. Sometimes we we'll rely too much on will, you know, on motivation. And sometimes those things last only so much, right? But if you create rituals, habits, you can really rely on that for for happiness. So I like that. And I might incorporate the, uh, you know, the Tuesday lattice or something, something similar. The Tuesday uh, teas for me. Okay. Okay. So now I'm going to share three questions that have been chosen by our audience. So you can give us a short and practical answer. Our audience is very curious to know, Jordi, you've been researching uh, happiness for a long time. So what's your daily happiness routine? What works for you? I actually have a routine. I don't know if it will work for you, but I, I can share mine. So <laughs> before going to bed, what I like to do is a four, three, two, one routine. Okay. Four is for four deep breaths. So I really want to sort of connect with the present moment by taking four deep breaths and I count in my head to force myself, you know, to be focused. So I count to seven when I inhale and then I hold for four seconds and then I breathe out for eight seconds by the mouth. Uh, this is something uh, I think I saw in some scientific article on like deep breathing. So I do yeah. four of these mm -hmm. and that already sort of calms me down. And then three stands for three positive things for which I'm grateful in my life. This can be small things, right? I can be grateful for a good conversation I had with a friend. I can get, be grateful to a moment uh, of fun I had with my kids that day or big things. Grateful for the fact that, you know, I'm relatively healthy and I get to do a job that I love, for example. So I mentally make a note of three things I'm grateful for. And then two stands for two positive things that I look forward to experiencing tomorrow. This comes from one of the first scientific paper I published over 15 years ago, where I asked people every time before going to bed to practice their ability to project themselves into positive futures and to really imagine the things that they would do tomorrow that would bring them pleasure. And what we found was that people who did this for two weeks were significantly happier and less stressed than our control group where people had to imagine neutral routines. So I, I follow my own research, I guess. Yeah. And I you know, imagine two positive things that I'm looking forward to experiencing tomorrow. And I close on one value, one core you know, guiding principle for me that I want to embrace and exemplify tomorrow. So it could be, if it's about being caring towards other people, I say, okay, tomorrow the value I'm going to embrace is care for others. And all of my interactions and decisions are going to be hopefully guided by that value. And then if everything goes well, I fall, to, I fall asleep mm -hmm. very quickly. Uh, <laughs> and that's also the goal. Wow, amazing. And I really love the fact that everything that you say 
is uh, is being proven, right? It's scientifically proven. So it's not just an opinion. <clears throat> it's something that you've been researching on for for many years. So I like, I, I love that. So then breathing, um, you know, being grateful, something that you look for, uh, that you look forward to, and, you know, a value that you want to embrace. And I really like that because, you know, thinking about uh, the values that you want to embrace, as you said, really help you with decision making, because you honor that value when you make your decisions. And in order to be able to do that, you need to spend time thinking about it. So I think it's a very positive way to end the day, go to sleep on a quiet and happy mind and, you know, uh, prepare yourself for the next day. And, you know, I also really like uh, what you say about the things that you're grateful for, because there are so many little things that happen happen in our daily life that, you know, we just miss because we don't think about it too much. So like spending some time thinking about what are the things that you're grateful for, I think it makes a big difference because even if even in the worst day, there are things that you that you need to be grateful for. And that also connects with something that I heard from Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar, the Harvard professor, that talks, up, talks about the, uh, the meaning of appreciation, which, uh, you know, has two meanings. It's appreciation is something that you feel grateful for, um, but it also means an increase in value, right? So when you appreciate something, its value appreciates its value increases. So I really like that double meaning of appreciation, which links to, to gratitude. So I'm going to move. You know, I think to some, uh, to me uh, first, I'm, I'm a skeptic. So it sounded a bit cheesy, these gratitude sort of things, but I think what it's doing, it's not magic. It's just forcing, as you said, your brain for a few seconds to focus on what's, what's going well. Yeah. And the brain is not designed for that. The brain is designed to anticipate problem and maintain us alive. Yeah, by for survival. Problems. For yeah. survival, absolutely. So I think through practice, by sort of forcing yourself to notice what's going well, uh, you know, even if it feels a bit artificial, a bit like kumbaya to some, <laughs> can compound into making a difference. It can compound into like rewiring some of your thought patterns into maybe noticing a bit more the good things in life. Uh, and that makes a world of difference. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And, you know, you already talked about social interactions and the importance of manage those social interactions for happiness. So what's your top advice? You know, if you had to give only one advice to improve social interactions, to live a happier life, what would it be? I'm going to give you two. I'm sorry. Okay, excellent. <laughs> the first one comes from a paper we just published where we found that, you know, of course, spending time with others is good. And spending time with loved ones is good. But what we found too is that people who have diverse social portfolios are happier than people who have concentrated portfolios. So people will report on a weekly basis, for example, interacting with friends, family, but also strangers, coworkers, acquaintances tend to be happier 
then people who only report being with friends or only report being with family. So I would say diversify your social portfolio, right? Get to interact and meet with all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. The second advice, more qualitative, has to do with the way we interact with others. And I think one of the problems when we interact is that often we're in our head, we're thinking about what we're going to reply, we're waiting to speak rather than trying to fully understand and be there for the other person. So there my advice would be listen more and show that you're listening to the other person by using reflection techniques, by repeating some of the words they say, by summarizing what you're heard in your own words and asking if you got it right, right? Your goal should be to fully understand the other person. And by using these reflections, by labeling what they're going through, it sounds like it's difficult for you. It must be tough for you, these sort of things. Uh, you will really improve the quality of your interactions because people will feel heard. And as a return, they will like you a lot more. Yeah, amazing. So it's really to give your undivided attention to, to the other person, right? Absolutely. Okay, so now as final words of wisdom, if you were to give only one piece of advice uh, to our students of career advice specifically, what would it be related to happiness or in general? I would say, like I tell my MBA students every year, don't focus so much on getting the conditions right, the salary, the car, the title, the team size. Focus on getting the job right. A job where you have meaningful social relationship, purpose, where you can learn and where you have the freedom to explore. Wow, that's very, that's amazing. I love that. So I'm sure that our students will be eager to find, to find out more about you. So where can they find you? So I'm always happy to connect on LinkedIn um, or on Twitter. And people can also uh, check out my website if they're interested in my research paper, www.quadback, it's a weird name, .org, <laughs> uh, Q-U-O-I-D-B-A-C-H.org. Excellent. Jordi, thank you so much for being with us today. We all want to be happy, and I think we have a much better idea now on how to pursue happiness in a sustainable way. 2,500 years ago, Confucius said that if you want to bring harmony to your state, you first need to bring harmony to your neighborhood. To bring harmony to your neighborhood, you first need to bring harmony to your family. And to bring harmony to your family, you must start with the self. You just gave us plenty of tools to bring happiness to ourselves so we can then make others happier too. So thank you. It's been magic. Thank you so much. And on this high note, we are cl closing the second season of Career Beats. What a pleasure it's been sharing with you different career topics, which we hope have thrown clarity on your career journey. And we'll continue for season three in September. Can't wait. Thank you all for being on the other side. Looking forward to seeing you in the next season of Career Beats. Keep your career beating. Tune in on Spotify, 
Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts for a monthly dose of career stories, advice and trends. Thank you.